0: Come on, would you put your hands together and stand to your feet and let the Holy Spirit know that you recognize that the Holy Spirit is in this place. Hallelujah. Welcome him. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Praise the name of the Lord. If you would just stay, remain standing. And uh, Steve, do you have the presence uh, or statement? Okay. We'll do this while you're standing. If you'll say this with me. Lord, today by faith, we declare that we are walking in a manifestation season. As your faithful remnant, we will house your very presence. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and he has delivered us from all of our troubles and fears. We are no longer victims, but we are victors in Christ. We will not be deceived by the lies of the enemy, but we will give health, healing, and wholeness to the hopeless and those in despair. We will live under your anointing and see the revealed purpose of Christ in each of our lives. We declare your everlasting word on earth as it is in heaven. Give God praise. And if you would remain staying just one more moment with me, please, Steve. If you'll put up our scripture, I'm going to open up tonight with Psalms 51 and 10. Very short passage of scripture, but two very important things for the believer is to create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew. Say renew. A steadfast, say steadfast, spirit within me. Elder Marvin, would you pray, please? Amen. You may be seated. We're living in a day and an hour in which the weight of the world has gotten heavier and heavier for all of us. You ever heard that statement made? He's got the weight of the world upon his shoulders. She's got the weight of the world upon her shoulders. The church has the weight of the world upon its shoulders. And so many are discouraged and they're overwhelmed. They're overworked. They're frustrated. They feel hopeless and they feel helpless and they're working harder than ever to make ends meet, and they're constantly worrying, and they're losing sleep, and they're, some are throwing in the towel, some are giving up, and some are simply quitting. But I've come to tell you, no matter how heavy things are, it's not a time for the church to give up. It's actually a time for the church to rise up. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, I want to go to the book of Jeremiah, and I want to look at the life of a man who, according to all human reasoning, had every right to give up, but he couldn't. And I want to share his story for us to find out why, even though he wanted to quit, he couldn't. Let's find out what kept him from quitting, because it will be the key to the church not quitting when the weight of the world is upon us. In Jeremiah, Jeremiah was a prophet of the 8th century before Christ, He was definitely an unusual prophetic man, unusual man with a prophetic ministry. Born in the son of Hilkiah, grew up in the land of Benjamin. He was God's prophet, called to be his mouthpiece in the days of the last five kings of Judah. Until the year came of 586 B.C. when Jerusalem was carried away into captivity by the Babylonians. They were confined and they were condemned to sit by the river banks of the Babylonians, left only to weep when they remembered Zion refusing to sing any longer. They had not heeded to God's warning of judgment if they didn't turn from their evil ways and back to God. Their joy had turned into mourning. I think I could safely say that is somewhat a picture of the 21st century church in many cases today. Just sitting back confined to four walls, a people who feel confined and condemned, left only to sit and weep and think of the good old days, discouraged to the place they refused to sing any longer. And it And it's at this time God calls Jeremiah to an assignment and places him amongst his people to minister to them. Now, unlike most prophets who are called and and prophesied, Jeremiah's ministry was quite unusual. In the sense that his words never gained popularity, neither did his relationship with the people. His assignment and the results of his labor seemed to appear that Jeremiah wasn't capable of accomplishing God's assignment for his life. It seems so, especially in the eyes of the man who was given everything he had to try to do what God had willed for him to do. Have you ever been there doing all you know to do? And nobody seems interested in your ministry. Nobody seems interested in your class. Nobody seems interested in your vision. You feel like folks don't even know your name and you've been in the church for 10 years. God called you, you heard him loud and clear, but now you're exhausted, now you're tired and discouraged, you feel such like a failure. There was something, though, special about Jeremiah's relationship with God. It actually began before his birth. Now, let's clarify what I'm saying to you. In Jeremiah 1, verse 5 is when God spoke to Jeremiah and placed his assignment upon his life. How many know God creates us all for a purpose? that every single one of us was divinely created, no two alike. I can't do what you can do, and you can't do what I've been called to do. We're all birthed with our own plan, our own destiny. Even for day one of our lives here on earth, which validates my belief no one was born by a mistake. Now, let's read verse one. I mean chapter 1, verse 5. God says to, to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's wombs, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. What God was saying, and now for this appointed time, I'm calling you forth to do what I created you to do. But this call didn't come without resistance from Jeremiah. He didn't think he was qualified to do this assignment. Like so many people today, he couldn't see what God was seeing in him. He didn't realize what God put in him. When it was God who created him and knew exactly what he put in him. God knew he was capable of doing what he called him to do because of how God created him. By the gifts and the abilities and the talents that he put in him. But not only that, but by the divine guidance God would give him throughout his life. God knew everything he would face in his life, both good and bad, and it would work together for his good. Jeremiah immediately gave God two reasons why he felt like he wasn't qualified and that God was making a huge mistake. He felt, note that, feelings can lead you astray. If you only serve God by feelings, you'll never do a whole lot for God. But when you do it by faith, there are no limitations. So through his heartfelt feelings, he proclaims, I can't preach. I struggle when I talk. I get tongue-tied. I get intimidated by crowds. I'm not eloquent. I'm not schooled or versed. And the second reason he gave for not feeling qualified was he was too young. Chapter 1, verse 6 says, I am a youth. Like God didn't know what he was doing. Like God wasn't aware of his skills and his age. We always think we know more about ourselves than God does. When it's so the opposite, God knows more about us than we do ourselves. He created us. We didn't create ourselves. Now, to help him with his insecurities, God replies to him, Don't say, for I am a youth. Don't be afraid. Wherever I send you, I will be with you. And then in chapter 1, verse 9, to deal with the insecurity to speak, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. God has anointed him. Don't worry about what to say. I'll give you the words to say. You just worry about saying them. Now, I can truly relate to Jeremiah's insecurities. I've had the same ones. And if it wasn't for God's anointing my mouth, I wouldn't have a word to say to you tonight. And if it wasn't for God telling me to stand behind this pulpit in front of a crowd, I'll tell you, I would go sit down immediately. Because as far as I'm concerned, I'm not qualified to be here. This doesn't come easy for me. I often can't understand why he would even use me. This is an act of faith tonight. God had placed his stamp of approval on Jeremiah. And then in verse 10, God said, And I did this for this reason. I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and pull down, to destroy and to tear down, to build and to plant. Jeremiah, with God's confidence in him, set out to fulfill this ministry. There's much to commend Jeremiah for. When Judah is in her deepest despair and uncertain where God is or what he's up to, Wondering, has he forgot them? Is he done with them? It is Jeremiah who shows up on the scene and begins to prophesy to his people. And Jeremiah declares to the people, whatever you've experienced, didn't take God by surprise. He knows right where you're at and what you're going through. And he tells them the reason why they're going through what they're going through. Jeremiah reminds the people, you may not know what your future holds, but you can be certain of who holds your future. And God spoke through Jeremiah and told his people, I know the thoughts I have toward you, the thoughts of peace and not of evil, for to give you an expected end. God was wanting to, wasn't wanting to, to destroy Israel. He was just simply wanting to correct Israel. He wanted his people to turn from their sins and back to him, and he wanted to use Jeremiah to warn his people and then to encourage his people and to deal with their heart and hearts. His assignment wasn't an easy one because Jeremiah faced an uphill battle with these stiff-necked, rebellious people who had grown so cold towards God, and become callous toward God's grace. What was so unusual about Jeremiah's prophetic ministry was no one wanted to hear him. No one even liked him. It's been noted that throughout all of his ministry, and of all the time he committed to God's people, he never had one convert, and it wasn't because he didn't try. Jeremiah, in spite of all the negative circumstances surrounding his nation, he worked hard at trying to keep things positive and trying to keep people encouraged. He worked day and night at this task. These people were so discouraged. It was Jeremiah who understood his nation was broken, economically ruined, politically corrupted. He knew God wanted to reconcile his people, but they would not listen. And God told Jeremiah, if you want to know what I'm up to with my people, if you want to see what I'm desiring to do with my people, if you want to know my plan for these people, he says, grab some of your elders And go down to the potter's house, and I'll show you. In other words, illustrate to you, because we all know a picture's worth a thousand words. He told him, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my word. It's that house that's situated on the outskirts of town. It's in the deepest depth of the ghettos, that place of death and not life, that place that is full of broken people and broken pieces of their lives. If you go there, you won't have to say a word. I'll let you see something you've never seen before. I'll let you see, Jeremiah, my restoration process, how I make the hopeless hopeful again, how I make the broken whole again, how I make the hurting smile again, how I make the sick well again, how I make the rejected feel worthy again. I'll let you see where lives that were thrown away like junk are put back on the wheel and remolded into a priceless vessels. Jeremiah at the potter's house, I will let you hear my word. It's important to remember this. He said, I will let you hear my word. He did. And he went and he shared everything God showed him and told him at the potter's house. But still no results. No breakthroughs did he experience with his people. Instead, the people continued to despise him and mock him and made fun of his preaching. They even accused him of crimes. They even had him beaten once with 40 lashes. They simply just wanted him to go away. All this resistance began to take a toll on Jeremiah and his confidence in his calling. Have you ever been there? Where the weight of the world was upon his shoulders. Has your ministry ever taken its toll on you? Have people ever offended you? Have you ever been rejected simply because of your faith? Have you ever questioned your calling Have you ever questioned if you're ever even being effective? Have you ever felt like people have no interest in you or your ministry? Then you know where Jeremiah is at this point in his life. Burdensome, this had become. There was a breaking point, though, for Jeremiah. And it began in chapter 19. You know how things can weigh on you? Then there's like a last straw moment. Someone say amen if you've ever been there. See, in chapter 19... Like many times God sent Jeremiah to prophesy to Judah, this time he sent him to a city called Tophet. Tophet. He told the people that God had sent him to tell them, because they had been disobedient, turned from him, offered sacrifices to false gods, even child sacrifices, that unless they repented and turned from their evil ways, he was bringing judgment to them, that they would be attacked by the Babylonians and utterly destroyed for most, and if not, they'd be taken into captivity. After leaving there, wearing out his welcome he returned back to Jerusalem to the house of the Lord. And he had the same message for them as well, that they too would end up like Topheth. The governor heard him make this prophecy. He becomes furious at Jeremiah. The Bible says he slaps him in the face, and he has him put in stocks. And then they place him at the temple gate, and many would come by and mock him. It was so humiliating to Jeremiah. When Pershur let him go, Jeremiah had some strong words for him too, that God would deal harshly with him as well. This was a last straw moment for Jeremiah. He was tired of all of the resistance. He had been totally humiliated and rejected. This is where we are at as a nation. So many people are tired and weary, and they're tired of the resistance. So many people, so many have or are thinking about throwing in the towel, discouraged, tired of all this resistance. Jeremiah has words with God in chapter 20. The 20th chapter reveals Jeremiah's internal thoughts, the struggle of his will versus his emotions. God's assignments are often filled with adversity. The adversity is not designed to destroy you or the assignment, but are often experiences used to strengthen you to make you strong enough to fulfill the assignment. Be not weary in well-doing, for if you should not faint, you will reap in due time. Sometimes the act of the assignment changes you more than the assignment itself changes things around you. In other words, the assignment you're fulfilling is designed to change you more than it is others. Jeremiah, almost amongst himself and to his people, looked as to be a total failure. His lack of results confirmed this. The rejection of the people confirmed this. If ever there appeared to be a prophetic flop amongst the people, it was Jeremiah, unlike any of the other prophets. Why so unsuccessful? It drove Jeremiah to frustration and even drove him to resentment. And he began to question the God who appointed him. Have you ever done that? He even went back to the reasoning of, I told God I wasn't a preacher, and I tried to tell him I was too young. But no, he wouldn't listen, and he made a mistake. He just used me. He told God, you deceived me. Did Jeremiah really think this? Let's go to chapter 20 and look at the conversation he had with God to find out. Because Jeremiah felt like a total failure. What he preached, no one wanted to hear. Those he preached to were either antagonistic towards him or apathetic to who he was. They had no respect for him. When he prophesied, no one believed him. No one was willing to follow him anywhere. And his clothes were often torn and tattered. He had no finances. He was often confined to dungeons and many times to solitary confinement. His dignity was compromised by being accused of crimes that he didn't even commit. And many spoke of him as a traitor to his nation. This prophet of God called and anointed there has to be a reason for this failure he did not intend to fail he tried not to fail and jeremiah speaks with god sharing his frustrations he began by saying to god oh lord thou hast deceived me and i was deceived he had come to believe looking back that this was a setup from the get-up that god had used him is there a jeremiah in the house hearing this tonight This was Jeremiah speaking with an accusatory finger pointing at God, implying to God, you deceived me. No one else did you. It was you. My enemies didn't deceive me. It was you. Thou art stronger than I, and thou hast prevailed. The only reason you deceived me was you were stronger than me. Here I am every day, folks talking about me, folks mocking me. I got no friends. My ministry hasn't even grown a single inch and every time I open my mouth to preach, they laugh and they scorn me. No one believes me. You did this to me. Why? I told you I couldn't preach. I told you I was too young. for this. My words get all twisted. I freeze up in front of a crowd. I'm not eloquent. I'm too young to argue with these people. I'm too unschooled. I'm too unversed. I haven't lived long enough to preach to my elders. I haven't experienced enough in my life to give counsel. I'm not old enough to take the wisdom of my peers. You knew it, God. Wow, have you ever had one of those kind of talks with God where you have had enough? He felt that if for no other reason, he knew he was a failure because he couldn't preach and he was too young. That God had made a mistake, called him. What was he thinking? Sending me to a place of utter destruction with people who had deep wounds. There was also something about Jeremiah that the people saw in him. He had a strange sensitivity that was not common to most men. Jeremiah was considered a crybaby. Every time they turned around when they saw him, he was always crying and blowing his nose. They didn't understand the reason for his behavior. And as a minister, let me help give insight to his behavior. As a preacher, you're not separated from the feeling, the pain, the trials, and the trauma of life, we're not exempt from them. We hurt just like you do. We bleed just like you do. We get our feelings hurt just like you do. We're not set apart or protected from the enemy or the tragedies of life. Matter of fact, we are on the enemy's hit list, a priority, a target for him. Show me a preacher who has to stand at the bedside of a loved one at the closing of his life. Show me a preacher who stands at the hospital bed and watches a member of his church be destroyed by the effects of cancer. Show me a preacher who stands by a freshly turned grave awaiting for the burial of just a child. Show me a preacher who seven days a week is involved in the affairs and the lives of people he loves who are hurt and wounded by life's tragedies, by depression, oppression, and broken marriages and drug addiction, watching them be deceived and destroyed by their enemy. Children who he baptized, babies that he dedicated, young couples that he married, older people that he pastored, and I'll show you a preacher who cries. We feel what you feel. Jesus feels what you feel. For we serve not a high priest who cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. John said it best Jesus wept. And that's why I love about my Savior. He cares enough about me to cry over me. You can call on him day or night. He walks with me. He talks with me. And he tells me that I am his own. Hallelujah. Jeremiah as well, because of what God had placed in his heart, could feel what his people felt. He felt the pain of the people he preached to. And as he preached and looked out over the congregations, he could look upon their faces discern their pain. He couldn't keep from crying. He wanted to take their pain. He wanted so deeply to take their pain away. When people hurt, he hurt. When people cried, he cried. And Jeremiah felt he could never cry enough for his people. His discouragement was to stand and see people he loved. Living in the predicaments they were in, they had caused themselves. And he had the answer. But they were too defeated to where they couldn't even believe what he preached. They felt rejected, abandoned, and they felt angry. And the weight of the world destroyed them. This is why he wept. Haven't you seen this in the lives of the people that you love? You have the answer. You have the remedy. You have the truth. Yet they not only reject the truth, but you feel they reject you as well. Lives are falling apart, and you try to share, but they don't want to hear it. So you're hurting return, not just because they rejected you, but because they rejected the help that they needed. And you know, unless they do, they are doomed for destruction. And because you love them in spite of their sin, you weep and you cry and you intercede day and night for them. It's just like they're being a cure for cancer. And you have it in your hands. And they have cancer, but they won't take the medicine. We still live in a day and time where there is no man-made cure for cancer. But we serve a God who can still heal cancer. It's their only help. But many reject the notion that he can. So because Jeremiah's eyes were always wet and red from excessive crying, they called him the weeping prophet. And this is where preachers are at today. Those of us who are called to be preachers. But we feel like we lack the skills needed to be effective. Those of us have been given assignments by God that bring only discouragement and pain to our lives. Call to stand and preach to a people who don't want to hear truth. Give a prophetic voice that's so often doubted. Give warnings that can protect lives, but yet they heed not to them. Believe in those who do not believe in themselves. Preach in season and out of season. Preach to a people who are so hurt and wounded and bound to where they can't believe anything can ever be different for them. Revealing the tactics of their enemy, but they refuse to listen. Praying hours for those who won't even pray for themselves. Studying for hours to present a word in season only for it to fall on deaf ears. Counseling for you to only neglect godly instruction. We weep and we cry and we question God why He chose us. Confessing we are a failure. Asking God to forgive us for the mess we've made of His assignment. We're not theologically schooled or seminary educated. Just called and trying to be obedient. Even at times, guilty of accusing God of making a mistake with us. You know, I can't preach. I'm not eloquent. I'm too young. I lack experience. I'm struggling myself. You know my past. You know my intimidations. You know my educations, God. You know my inabilities. We are preachers today, right where Jeremiah was yesterday, searching for answers, questioning our abilities searching for someone who can make sense of this senseless world here's the problem here's the pain of preaching the more we preach the more things stay the same the more we preach the more we realize we need rescued ourselves the more we preach the more we stand astonished at our own pain the more we preach the more we are convicted of our own slothfulness and our lack of spiritual disciplines the more we preach, the more people's lives are being destroyed, and tears will never end. And the more we preach, the more the truth is being rejected. And if that's the problem, then that is still validating Jeremiah's question still today. Jeremiah chapter eight verse twenty-two. He asked, "Is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Because if there is bomb and physicians, then why are people still sick?" And why am I caught up in this preaching business? Trying to preach, fulfill an assignment I'm unqualified to do. So I ask again, is there no way out of this? Is there no solution to this quandary? Is there no way to make sense of my situations? What are my options? Here's the place that Jeremiah ended up wanting to give up. Have you ever wanted to give up? See, many are weighing their options under the weight of this world and its destruction? Well, first of all, this is what Jeremiah said to God. I will not make no mention of him nor speak in his name anymore. Jeremiah had become so discouraged. He came to the place he just wanted to say, You know what? Forget all this. I can't do this no more. Just forget it and forget you. Well, the problem for Jeremiah is for the called, forgetting is not an option because the call is without repentance. If you've never felt like quitting, you haven't done much for God. Everyone has said the thought of it, and at some times, at one time or another, has thought about doing it. Sadly, for some, they have withdrawn from the call, they have thrown in the towel, and now they're sitting on the sidelines. And instead of the ministry destroying their lives like they thought it would, actually their apathy ended up killing them. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to help somebody right here. Forgetting him is not an option. I can't forget him no matter how I try. I can't forget what he's done for me, how he saved me, how he's raised me, how he's filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he's set my feet on solid ground, how he's healed me, how he's blessed me, how he's loved me, how he's believed in me when I couldn't believe in myself how he's brought me out of the darkness into his marvelous light. I can't forget I am only who I am by the grace of God. I'm like, where else can I go? I can't forget had it not been for the Lord on my side. He put food on my table. He's put gas in my car. He's opened doors for me. He gave me three healthy kids, a wife, and seven healthy grandkids. There's a lot of reasons why I can't forget him. But mainly the reason I cannot give up on God is because God has never given up on me. (laughs) Hallelujah. Even when I don't deserve it, when I mess up, When I'm complaining, when I'm making a fool of myself, he covers me with his grace and with his mercy. I have found out now in my 22 years of ministry, for every time I wanted to give up, I couldn't. My flesh could have laid down, but something in here won't let me give up. It won't let me quit. See, when you're fed up, your first option you have is to forget it. Your second is somewhat like unto it, just quit. But much more than saying forget it, quitting is much the more. It's a further step. Quitting is a dissolution of a relationship. Quitting says goodbye. I don't want to be a part of someone or something anymore. More more so than saying forget it, quitting brings things to an end. I don't have to do this. I don't have to put up with this trying to minister to people who don't want to hear me, teaching teenagers who could care less, spending time with children who won't sit still to listen, trying to counsel people who aren't willing to change. I don't have to preach to people who just want to do what's right in their own eyes. I don't have to pick up children on the buses who won't obey me. I don't have to work the nursery when no one else will. I don't have to come to praise team practice every Wednesday night to sing to a congregation who don't even like our songs, who won't even worship. I don't have to come to church every Wednesday night while everyone else would rather sit at home and watch American Idol. I don't have to feed a bunch of kids you don't appreciate it and never say thank you I don't have to sit behind a camera every Sunday morning I can quit, that's what I can do everybody knows I can't do this my friends know it I know it, God knows it so let's just get the burden off of me, I quit just got one problem though I can't quit because God never quit on me Through the storms and the rains, God won't give up on you either. So why would you give up on God? Through sickness and pain, he was there. He brought you through it. Why would you quit? Why would you withdraw? Why would you try to forget about it? Now, let's get down to it. With all that God has put up with you through the years, God never quit or forgot about you one moment. And there are folks in here who used to teach who don't teach no more. You used to sing, but you don't sing no more. You used to be faithful to every service, but you're not no more. You used to go to Sunday school, but you don't no more. You used to usher, but you don't no more. You used to drive the bus, but you don't no more. And I can go on and go on and go on because you know I'm right. And sometimes the medicine don't taste good, but it will make you better. And then there's some of you who haven't quit yet, but you're sure thinking about it. You don't think you're qualified. You don't think you're making a difference. You're feeling intimidated you're feeling inferior, you're wanting to quit because it got hard, or the circumstances you're facing in the church, or your ministry, or at your home, or on your job. See, God never promised that the cross would not get heavy, that the hill would not be hard to climb, and he never promised a victory without fighting, but he said what? Help would always come in time, So just remember when you're standing in the valley of decision and your adversary says, just give in, just hold on because my God will show up and take you through the fire again and again and again and again. Hallelujah. See, God's not quit on you with all your stuff. Anybody in here besides me know you got some stuff. Every preacher I know has got stuff. And the preacher's got stuff. Hello, you got stuff. Don't be fooled by the suit and the tie and the title. We're constantly up here trying to preach our stuff out of us. We're all work in progress. The reason I know God has never quit on you is because you're still here. You're still alive. Got blood running through your veins. You may be sometimes up and sometimes down. You may be broken or battered, but you're still here. And you're still holding on. They said you'd never stay a Christian, but you're still holding on. You may be only holding on by a string, but you're still here. So here we are. Life has placed you in an uncomfortable place, a challenging place. And as much as you believe you like to do better, you're not. Because you feel you're not qualified for the assignment God has given you, and you feel like you're a failure. You'd really just like to forget what he called you to do. Some of you have tried to replace it with other things you like to do, but it won't leave your mind. While you're over there doing what you like to do, you know you should be over here doing what God told you to do. It's a miserable place to be running from God's calling. The problem is if you can't forget it, you only have one other option. Quit. There are many empty seats where others have left and gone before you. Now they're the most miserable people in the world. Now they're lost, unfulfilled, at enmity with God. And even with the bad choices they made, God is still a God of second chances. And he waits for them with open arms to come back into fellowship with him. He never gives up. You could quit or there's one more option. For just in case you can't forget or quit. Because there's just something inside of you that won't let you. Even with all the hell you've been through. Through all of your disappointments. Through all of your failures. Through all your humiliating circumstances, through all the opinions of others, through the many inflictions you have endured, you just can't quit. Jeremiah wanted to, but he couldn't. He said, I just can't say it. You can have the perception Jeremiah had in spite of everything. He came to understand that your deficiency is God's opportunity. Your weakness is God's opportunity to reveal to you a strength you never knew you had. The very thing you thought would bring you down will be God's tool to strengthen you. When God allows adversity to come into your life, it's never purposed to destroy you, but to strengthen your weaknesses. Anything that does not kill you has the capacity to end up making you stronger. Oh, come on, somebody. At the very moment you feel like you've got nothing left in you, that's God's opportunity to put something in you you thought you never had. It's his opportunity to give you the ability to do what you thought you could never do. To take you places you thought you could never go. When you felt you just had enough and had nothing left, God would look beyond your faults and he would see your need. It's his desire to show himself strong on your behalf. When you are weak, he's made strong. Jeremiah expresses his disgust to God. I can just hear God responding after he said those words to him. I'm never going to mention your name again. I can just hear God saying, what did you just say to me? I said, I won't speak your name anymore. Jeremiah, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord shall stand forever. Jeremiah, let me remind you, I said I would put my word in your mouth. I called you, I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. I knew you before I ever formed you in your mother's womb. I put my word in you. And that's what made the difference in Jeremiah's life. God's word. God put a word in him that won't let him quit. And Jeremiah said, I can't quit because your word is like a fire shut up in my bones. I feel like it, but I can't. His fire is like a fire in my bones in that place that holds me together. It's in my skeletal tissues that sustains me. Jeremiah declared, no matter how hard it gets, there remains this burning fire that's inside of me. No matter how lonely it gets to me, no matter how long the days get, no matter how dark the nights get, there remains a burning fire in my bones. And I've said all of this to say, it was a hard time to be a prophet in Jeremiah's day because of the weight of the world. I told you that it's a hard time in this day and age to be a preacher because of the weight of this world. <clears throat> Just like it's hard to be a Christian in this day and age because the weight of the world. And the place Jeremiah was in his day and time is the same place that the church is today. Feeling like the church is no longer of any effect anymore. Attendance is falling. People are departing from the faith. But the church can't quit. We can't afford to lose another voice. The one thing Jeremiah of his day and the preachers of this day and the Christians of this day all have in common. Is we're all called to be a minister and to be a light unto this dark world. But we've got preachers quitting. We've got leaders quitting. We've got members leaving. We've got people departing from the faith because the weight of the world. And we got to have today what Jeremiah had back then, a word from God that will be like a fire shut up in our bones. That no matter how hard it gets or how heavy the weight of the world gets, we can't quit. Why? Because we've been touched by the one who baptizes with the fire and the Holy Ghost. Who has set our souls on fire. And his name is Jesus. 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 And when he touched me, it went so deep; it got into my bones. It's what keeps you keeping on, even if you're broke, you can still sing. Even if you're sick, you can still praise Him. Even if you've been battered and abused, you can keep teaching. Even if you're discouraged, you can still drive the bus. It's a fire. It's a Holy Ghost fire. Shut up in my bones. God never quit on me, and I can't quit on God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Musicians, if you'll come, I'm a bataya. When God's fire is burning inside of your heart you will become a spiritual arsonist. What I mean everywhere you go everything you touch is set on fire at your workplace at your home in your ministry every time we come into this sanctuary to worship Saints, we ought to be so on fire. For God, it looks like this place is on fire. And this is what I'm trying to tell you. The ushers ought to be on fire. The Sunday school teachers ought to be on fire. The nursery workers ought to be on fire. The bus driver should be on fire. The pop club teachers should be on fire. The teachers should be on fire. The youth group should be on fire. The children should be on fire. The members should be on fire. What I'm saying is the church ought to be on fire again. This is where we're at. Too many have lost their fire. And tonight, God wants to reignite your fire with the fire of the Holy Ghost. It's the only thing that will keep you from giving up and quitting and walking out and throwing in the towel. If the church is going to make a difference, we have to ask God to set us back on fire. That when the weight of the world is crashing down on you, When it gets hard, when it gets mundane, when it gets humiliating, when it gets overwhelming to you. Some of you are so dead your fire is nothing but a smoldering ash. But I've come to tell you that the wind of the Holy Ghost wants to fan your fire once again so it will once again be like a fire shut up in your bones. Would you stand with me, please? God is an all-consuming fire. He's a fire that can make the weak strong. He can make the powerless powerful. He can make the hopeless hopeful. You can't quit. You can't give up on your call. You can't give up on your dreams. You can't give up on your ministry. You can't give up on your marriage. You can't give up on your family. You can't give up on your children. You just need a fresh Fire and I pray tonight, come fresh fire of the Holy Spirit and put this church back on fire once again. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Praise the name of the Lord! Hallelujah! Come here, Cheryl I see Come here, come here. What you stand? What you stand right there? Come here, young lady, right here. What you stand right here? Face me, turn around, face me. Come on, you've been baptized with the Holy Ghost, you've been baptized with the Holy Ghost, lift up your arms. Cheryl's got a heart for evangelism It's her passion It's what drives her Even at times when nobody else wants to go out with her When there's sometimes just her and one more We talked about this today But she can't quit well, What God wants to do tonight is just come back by and Fan the fire again Cheryl Oh, don't shut up! What I tell you? Oh, don't quit! Don't give up! I up. Let the spirit—there oh, it is—spirit of the Holy Ghost. Oh, He's gonna light you back. You're gonna be on fire again. There's gonna be like a fire shut up in your bones. If you have to go by yourself, if they mock you, if they make fun of you, if nobody'll go with you, God says, "I'll go with you." I got an assignment on your life. I'll start that fire again. God just wants to fan his fire on you. Oh, it's been fainting. Oh, oh it's getting down to embers. But God wants to, he wants to fan those embers tonight. He wants to begin the Holy Ghost to begin to build a fire back in your heart like never before. God's called you, God's anointed you. You oh, just because the weight of the world's got on your shoulders, you can't quit now. Shut up, shut too many people depending on you. You got a family depending on you. You got friends and loved ones counting on you. up. Oh, if your fire goes out, what they gonna do? are they gonna do. God's called you to minister. God's called you to preach. God's called you to talk, talk to people and share your faith and he's going to put a fire back on you I want everybody in this place that's ever been filled with the Holy Ghost come, come to the altar quickly if you've ever been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost I want you to come to the altar come quickly go ahead John you begin to play behind me lift up your hands lift up your hands oh you begin to pray asking God to light a fire back in you don't you remember those days, the passion you had? Yes, the weight of the world's upon your shoulders. But the church is the answer. We have the answer. We've got to have the fire of the Holy Ghost. I tell you. Breathe on Him, Holy Spirit fan this fire god sure you're not too old brother your days are not over this is the fire's got to come back up god's just got to, that fire kindled again god breathe on him holy spirit let the wind of the holy ghost begin to hold up oh watch out watch out watch out holy ghost have your way Oh, this is what the Holy Spirit's doing. You've worked hard. You've been out there. You've evangelized. You've worked hard. You're reaching. You're speaking. You're preaching. Sometimes you don't see the effects, but there's an effect. God just says, I just got to get you back on fire, Donna. Oh, you got to have that zeal back. Shut up. Shut up. God. Holy Spirit, them. breathe on Gary. Begin to breathe on him, God. He's got a, 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 uh, 준비, he's got a plan for you, Gary. Shut up. i revive. There it comes. Shut up. Let the Holy Spirit come. Breathe on him, God. Shut The Holy Spirit's in this place, church, and he's breathing on you. He said, I got to get the fire going again. You've been baptized with the Holy Ghost. But I want to give you fresh and new. I want you to have a fresh fire. I want you to have a new fire. I want you to feel the wind of the Holy Spirit coming down on you. God, have your way. Touch Brother Jesus. God, he's got a work to do. He's got an assignment, God, Lord. He needs a fresh fire, he needs the wind of the Holy Spirit breathing on him and on his wife, God, Lord. It's a ministry. It's your home. And without the fire, you can't do this. You've got to have the fire and the wind of the Holy Spirit breathing on you, God. Breathe, Holy Spirit. My heart will Hallelujah. sing God, your on this praise right here, God. again. Honorable, fresh and anew, a fresh fire, God. Shut Let the wind of the Spirit, God. Jesus, ah, you're Hallelujah. still enough. Keep me within your love. Oh, God, he's been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, God. My heart Hallelujah. will sing Hallelujah. your praise God. again. God, You seeking you for a new fire, a fresh fire. One that will light her back up. One that will put passion for the kingdom your back in her heart. Your promise still time, God.
1: stands. This
0: time, God, Great a fire that cannot go out. A fire that cannot be quenched, God. Shut, it up. Shut
1: up. Shut up. Ministry, God. Shut God, a ministry, God. Shut up. I'm waiting on your her, God. Hands. Jesus needs a wind of the this spirit. This is the wind my of confidence. The fire right down, God,
0: her, God. You've Shut never up, failed down, me. Full
1: of a shield. Your promise still stands. God. Great is Your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in Your hands. This is my confidence. You shall reap if you not thanked. double Everything yet. you've been
0: through, what you've been going through, God says I'm gonna light a fire. I'm gonna burn it all off. It's gonna be like a chaff, but out of them ashes is gonna come something beautiful in your life, huh? You've been faithful to me. You've never given up. Don't you ever quit. I shouted over all Shandava. Thank you, Lord. Come
1: on, man. Come on, man. Come i Come on, You move the mountains.
0: I want you young people all come in here right here behind with right there, Wesley, come in here behind them. All touch. Somebody touch somebody till you connect with the Wesley. The, a a love, hotel, you see, shut up. You remove the mountain.
1: Come right here, right here. Right Lay believe, your hands on Wesley. I'll shut a a double, do it up, shut up. You made a way. Shut away. up. Holy there Ghost. There was no way of well,
0: this believe, man. To the last one standing oh, in this
1: line,
0: let the spirit, the fire of the Holy Ghost come, set it set this generation on fire with a fire of the Holy Ghost, one that cannot be put out, one that cannot be canceled out. Set it Receive you the Holy Ghost and fire in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, oh God. Thank you, oh God. Hallelujah. Lift your hands up, everybody. Just lift your hands up. It's hard to get to all of you, but I don't have to. God can do it. Put your hands up all over this place. If you have not ever received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you're out there, raise up your hands. The Spirit of the Lord is in this house. I stand in confidence that he is the baptizer. Lift up your hands and I'm going to pray. And you begin to pray. Father, right now, under the anointing and the unction of the Holy Ghost, we come against the world. The church will rise up, and the church will be called blessed, and the church will preach the gospel. And with the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost, God, reignite the fire of this church one more time, God. Receive you, the Holy Ghost. Now give Him praise, church. Give Him praise. Praise Him. Praise Him. Come on. Praise Him. Hallelujah. 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 The church cannot quit. The church is the restraining force. And the church will be empowered with fire. And with that fire, we will be able to withstand the weight of this world. You can't quit. You can't give up. You can't back down. Because the fire of the Holy Ghost will be in you. Shut up in your bones like a fire. And no matter what comes your way, you might think about quitting. There's times we've all thought about quitting. I've thought about quitting. But say it with me. I can't quit. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. I want to encourage this body. There's a lot of work to be done in the kingdom of God, and every single one of you have gifts and talents to be used, I want to encourage you, begin to use them in this body. Begin to use your gifts and talents in the body of Christ, and God will give you the strength and the power to reach the kingdom of God for His glory. Hallelujah. One more time, give God praise and you're dismissed.